0: Grab a seat, guys. Fantastic. I've got MIG's watch up here to try and help me to stay on time. I looked at the time for last week's sermon. Slightly long. About 20 minutes too long. Anyway. It was good? Okay, good, yeah. Maybe I'll do it again? No. (laughs) No. Uh, If you're new and visiting, uh, we're going through the book of Ephesians, which is a letter which the Apostle Paul wrote about 2,000 years ago uh, to Christians in the area of modern-day Turkey. Uh, they'd become Christians about mm, maybe 10 years, less than 10 years beforehand, and it, the, Paul had actually planted the churches and sent the gospel out, and there'd been a rapid multiplication of Christians and churches, and so a number of years later, Paul writes to them to encourage them and teach them and bring them theological instruction about who God is, what Christ has done, who they are, and also to bring them practical instruction of what that means and how, what it means to live um, in this world as chosen um, people in Christ and so that's where we are um, and it, we see in this book that it was all planned in eternity it was God's eternal plan uh, but it was what God planned in eternity he wants displayed in community and this letter of Ephesians is really like the letter of the church It's one of the clearest explanations of what the church is to look like um, in the New Testament age. And so we have a privilege as a new church to kind of study this letter and learn from um, Paul, from God, from the Holy Spirit about what it looks like. So we're in Ephesians chapter 2 verse 19 to 22 today. It's part of a larger section, 11 through 22 is one unit. Um, And last week we looked at verses 11 to 18, now we're in 19 to 22. If you don't have a Bible, there are a few on the back table up there, you can grab one. Otherwise, it will be on the screen, and we read from the ESV version. Let me read Ephesians chapter 2, verse 19 through 22. So then, you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone in whom the whole structure being joined together grows into a holy temple in the Lord. In him, you also are being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. Would you pray with me? Well, God, we pray and ask that you would bless the preaching of your word. Please dwell with us, and help us to experience your presence this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. The idea of belonging um, really hit home when I was in high school. You know, when you're trying to fit in, whether or not you went to high school. I know there's some homeschoolers in the room. Whether you went to high school or not, that age group of teenage years is a is a big time when you're thinking about, where do I fit? Who am I? I don't know if you remember those years well. I don't know how many years ago it was for some of you. But if you remember back, for me, if I remember back into high school years, I was desperately trying to fit in all the time. It was terrible. And it, it kind of enslaved me in a way that it made me anxious and nervous. And I'd always be checking my appearance before I went out and making sure I was just right and spent way too much time in front of a mirror. Traditionally, they say that's what girls do, but maybe I'm a girl because that's what I did. A lot of time in the mirror, anxious about what I was wearing and looking like and what people thought of me. I remember one time I went to... um, Uh, a football, I used to play rugby league, went to a footy presentation day and I was pretty pumped because it would just been my birthday and I'd got these new clothes and I was excited because they were surf clothes, like this is cool, I'm going to show, I'm going to be looking great and I got there and I was wearing my Quicksilver shorts and my Quicksilver t-shirt, I was like this is great, brand new, represent and when I got there, the first thing that someone said to me was like, why are you wearing the same brand on your shorts and your shirt? I was like, oh. And then the whole time I was like trying to like just walk around, hey, how's it going, trying to cover up the brand because I was proud of my brand until they paid me out. And, and I kinda, that kind of is symptomatic of what I was like at high school. I was confident, but inside I never really felt like I belonged. I remember um, I did a lot of things I shouldn't have done when I was at high school. I think partly because I wanted to belong. I was a party boy um, with the footy guys. And I remember one time I skipped out on a church youth event Walked three k's to where I'd stashed a whole bunch of alcohol in a bush, and then walked another two k's to my friend's house to a party. So this is commitment. I get to the party and I'm drinking underage, which I shouldn't have been doing. And I'm like, "Yeah, I'm in. I'm with the boys. This is great. Doing well." And then everyone was drinking, everyone's partying. And then one of the the key guys, Winnie, his name is, and he just yelled out oh, look, everyone, even Riley's here. I was like, oh. (laughs) You know, like I thought I was in with the crowd, but it was so obvious that I wasn't fitting in that they were making mention of it. And memories like that kind of stuck with me through high school. Um, I kind of never really felt like I had a group. Even though I was, I think I liked a lot of people, was liked by people, I never really felt I connected. Uh, But by God's grace, bit by bit, I actually started to connect closer into my church community. And I had this incredible youth leader who accepted me for who I was, actually went out of his way with his time and his money and his effort and energy to love me and the five or six youth guys we had in our age group. And there wasn't just one leader, there was about five or six leaders that did that. And there wasn't just five or six leaders, there was a whole community. And bit by bit, I started to find that where I was looking for belonging and community at school um, wasn't really satisfying, but actually it was happening at church. And it wasn't with the cool people that I wanted to be accepted by, but I found a whole new family. And I found a whole new experience of, you know, that welcoming in no matter who you are, no matter what you've done. Uh, And in that experience, I began to trust more and more in Christ and began to see God's plan for the world through little local churches who love each other and have a family. Perhaps you can relate somewhat to my experience of belonging or not belonging, whether it be your high school years or your childhood years, or maybe it's your family life. Uh, You've never really felt like you belong there, or you used to belong and then everyone turned on you in your friendship groups, or you've had transitions where you've had to move and you've lost friends, and we're kind of always looking as humans, I think, for this personal interaction where we are known, loved, secure, safe. We belong. Well, the beautiful message of this passage today is that we have, through Jesus Christ's reconciling work, we have a belonging like no other. Uh, Through what Christ has done to bring us to God and to bring us into little local churches, we can actually have the privilege of belonging to a community that should have a greater sense of that belonging than any other community here on earth. And we're going to unpack this passage by looking at three different points. Three privileges of belonging, which is the, the title of the message, the privilege of belonging. And Paul uses three images in this passage, you may have noticed. They kind of roll through pretty quickly, but he, he shows us that as Christians, if you are a Christian, and if you're not yet a Christian, look on on what you're potentially missing out on. This is what, you know, the Apostle Paul is saying, we have for those who are in Christ. So if you're not yet a Christian, this is what you could have. Three images. Number one, we belong to a new nation. Number two, we belong to a new family. And number three, we belong to a new temple. There are three points for today. And the main thing I want us to see is that because of Christ's reconciling work, because of what he's done, we have this privilege of belonging. And it's a beautiful, beautiful privilege. So let's jump in and go into point number one today. We belong to... To a new nation. To kind of give us the context to make sense of it, we need to jump back into last week just briefly. So last week we saw that um, the apostle Paul had told the Christians that they were once dead in sin, now they're alive in Christ, and it's all by grace. You never save yourself by what you—you can't do enough prayers, you can't do enough attendance, you can't do enough holy things to be saved. You're only in by grace through faith. That's Ephesians chapter two verse eight, and it's all a gift from God. And then in verse 11 and 12, Paul outlines to the, the church in Ephesus, which was split into two different types of people. You had Jewish people, those who were connected to the Old Testament, the covenant people of God, and you had Gentile people who were new and they'd come in and the church was trying to figure out, how do we do this? What do we do with these old covenant promises to Abraham and these new Gentile people who don't know our, our way of life? And Paul says to them, this is who you once were, Gentile people. And I'll read verse 12. Um, And just so you understand, if you knew, we're all Gentiles. Unless you have Jewish heritage and you live in the Jewish way, we're all Gentile people. And he says, this is what it's like to be a Gentile. So before Christ came, before you become a Christian, this is our story. Remember, verse 12, that you were at that time separated from Christ. So you're separated from the hope of the Messiah, the one who's coming to rule and reign in the world. You are alienated from the commonwealth of Israel. So we got like, you don't belong, you're aliens in the land. You you don't, you're not part of the commonwealth, the citizenship. You're strangers to the covenants of promise. So you're outside the covenant of Abraham and having no hope and without God in the world. It's a pretty dire diagnosis. You go to the doctor and he says all those five things about you, like, oh, that, that's not so good. Uh, and and that's, But that's the truth. That's the reality. And the Christian faith never holds back from the reality, which is this is who we are. Outside of Christ, every single one of us is without hope and without God. Even if you worship another religion, you are without God because God only manifests himself through Jesus Christ in the Christian religion and no other. So if that's who we once were, Paul then wants to encourage them, doesn't want to leave them there, he wants to tell them, but this is what has happened, this is what is so great about Christ and the gospel, verse 13. But now, in Christ Jesus, you who were once far off have been brought near, how? By the blood of Christ So God, what he does is the far-off Gentiles, he wants them near. He wants a global race of people who follow him and love him from every tribe, nation, and tongue. That was the original intention with Israel. They just never did it. And so he sends Christ to bring all the nations in so that they were once far off, now brought near. And it's through his blood. The only way that you and I, us Gentile sinners, could come into nearness of God is if God sent his own son and shed his blood for us, so that instead of us dying the death we deserve for our sins and our idolatry and our rebellion, Christ dies. So the blood is somewhat sprinkled over us like in the Passover, and that brings us near to God so that we can have fellowship with him. But then Paul goes on to say that not only are we near to God as Gentiles, and, um, but we actually have a whole new reality. That not only are we near, but we're actually a whole new race. There's no longer Jew nor Gentile. There's only now Christian. There's only those who are followers of Christ. And so what Paul does in verses 14 to 18, I won't read it now, but he says to them, you have become one new nation, one people, one family. You all have one access to God by the Holy Spirit. And so he's saying to the church, you all belong. There's no second-class Christians. There's no in and out crew. There's no, oh, well, there's Jews who are the really good Christians, and then Gentiles, yeah, you're in-ish. You're all in, in. You truly belong. And that's where we get to in verse 19. That's where Paul has been going. So let's read verse 19 again to see this first image, that we belong to a new nation, previously the Jewish nation, and then everyone else, the Gentile nation, now both come together into one. So verse two, uh, chapter 2, verse 19. So then, so because of everything there, you, and that's plural, you all, y'all, are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. It's a beautiful thing. He's, he's looking them in the eyes and saying, guys, we're in this together no racial divide, no national divide, we are all part of a new nation uh, the kingdom of God each one of us has a passport of our home birth origin. So for me, it's Australia. For some of you, it's the Philippines. For some of you, um, maybe Korea. I know Richie, his is Korea because um, when I bought him a plane ticket to come to the conference, I put in, I bought the ticket for him because I, I thought I had his details. Turns out Richard has a whole different name and date of birth from a different country. Um, so he has a Korean thing and an Australian thing. We all have our different nations, but in Christ, our first allegiance and our first identifying point on our passport is the name of Jesus. We're no longer strangers and aliens. No one is out. Everyone is in through Christ. So we are more Christian than we are Australian. We're more Christian than we are Korean or Filipino or Egyptian or Sri Lankan or whatever we are. We are more Christian than anything, first and foremost. And so in the church, therefore, we are no longer strangers or aliens. We can have every nation in the room and we can have all the cultures collide and all the preferences and ideas and authority differences and money differences and gender differences and they collide in the church. And Paul is saying, we're not to have these divides, but we're to work them together because who are we? We are a new citizenship. Christ has carved out a new nation. And that means that ultimately, we're actually in our little local church. And Paul here is talking about little local churches, not the church universal. This is Sovereign Grace Church, Parramatta. Sovereign Grace House Church, or not Sovereign Grace, but House Church of Ephesus. I like to think they're all Sovereign Grace churches. House Church of Ephesus One, House Church of Ephesus Two. Each one of them is their own little community. And the reality is that in each one, we are closer to Christians than anyone else in the world because of what Christ has done. We are closer to fellow brothers and sisters than anyone of our own nation, race, or blood. The ties that bind us together in the church are stronger than our national identity because the bloodline that is most important to us is the bloodline of Jesus Christ, which we all share in. The citizenship we have in Christ, in this new kingdom, this whole new way of living, trumps our old ways of living. There's things in each one of our cultures that we have to put to death because they are actually not of Christ, and we have to put on the things of Jesus' culture because he's established a new way, a new kingdom, a new citizenship. Now, not everything in your culture needs to be put to death, and not not any one culture has got the Christian way right. The East and the West have things of God that are good and bad. And that's why we come back to the Bible, to teach us how to live as the people of God, not our culture to teach us how to live as the people of God. This informs how we view even Christians who share our own race, it can be fun when you meet Christians who share your blood, especially if you're an immigrant in a country. I remember when I was in America, and you know we're very similar to Americans, but I was at a conference, and I heard an Aussie voice. I was like, oh, an Aussie? And I went over, and I said, hey, I'm from Australia too. And it turns out he's a pastor in North Rocks, um, Dave Kewen, a legend, awesome guy. And he was at a conference, and then we chatted, then we had him over for lunch, and then we went out to a church together, and then I think we had dinner together. And I was like, this is great, that instant connection. But ultimately, we can have that instant connection with anyone, no matter their race or background, because of what we share in Christ. And one of the things we need to be careful of is that we don't exclusively deal with people who are most like us and who we share our same cultural things with. It's easy to get caught up in, you know, the Australian way or the Filipino way or the whatever way, but actually trumping all those things is the way of Jesus. And so our doors and our, you know, cultural kind of expressions always ought to be open to invite other people to join in, never exclusive. Otherwise, we're just like the, the first century Christians who are di- building up these dividing walls of hostility, Jew over here, Gentile over here. And we never want that in our church. We never want whites over here and other people over here or Asians over here and non-Asians over there. It's not like that. We want to have this fluid one citizenship because we share in the blood of Christ we all have the same national passport stamped by the blood of Jesus we have the privilege of belonging to a new nation the nation of Jesus Christ and even above all of our culture and creed and race it actually teaches this teaches this point here in verse 19 teaches us ultimately our this world is not even our primary allegiance We actually have a new home, a new rest, a new culture that we're going to, the culture of the kingdom of heaven, which will come when Jesus returns to restore and renew this earth. And so one of the temptations we can have as Christians is to read this. Okay, awesome. We have the privilege. We're a new nation. Let's start a ghetto, a Christian ghetto where we all live together and we live out our Christian life and we just do everything with Christians and we never get out into the world Or we can go the opposite way and be like, let's do everything in the world to win the world and become like the world, and and then you get trapped and you never do anything with Christians. What Jesus says is he actually combines the two. Check out John 17. Jesus' prayer before he dies, he says this, I've given them your word, and the world has hated them because they're not of the world. Okay, so we're not of the world. Okay, that makes sense. Just as I'm not of the world... Verse 15, But I do not ask that you take them out of the world, but that you keep them from the evil one. They are not of the world, just as I'm not of the world. Sanctify them in your truth. Your word is truth. So we live in this dual reality. We live and exist in a new kingdom, the kingdom of heaven, as Christians. We're, but we're in the world, but not of the world. We have to walk that dance and that tension. Which is why Jesus says in verse 18... To the Father, as you sent me into the world, so I have sent them into the world. So, because of Christ's reconciling work, we share in one new nation. We have the privilege of being a new people group Christians. And God's calling for us in that is to be unified in all aspects of our life but not to then become a ghetto, but actually become this light, this city on a hill that draws people in and says, hey, you can join our new nation. We can stamp you with a new passport, and you're in. And you're not second rate. You're in, in. The moment you put your faith in Jesus Christ, you are in the kingdom of God completely. There's no grading system. There's no, like, half good, fully good, three-quarter good Christian. It's just you're in by the blood of Jesus, So that's point number one. We have the privilege of belonging to a new nation. Point number two, and it's the second half of this verse, we belong to a new family. Let's read verse 19 again. So then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members, here it is, of the household of God. Members of the household of God. Paul is bringing in here now the family image. Uh, And in ancient times, the the family image was... um you know, multi-generations living in the one home, working together for the good of one another. It wasn't quite like our nuclear family completely. But you had this household where, you know, you had your farm out the back and your trade and everything was working together. When your parents got too sick, you looked after them. Uh, When people were in need, you provided the money for them. There wasn't this like kind of siloed individual community. They were collectivist in their outlook. And Paul is saying now we have this new reality, The church, the people of God, is a household. It's a family, and we get to belong. We get to belong, and we get to be in, in a way that you may have experienced in your own family. Perhaps you don't have a close family, or you have a broken family. And if that is your story, God's inviting you to join a new family, a family where you can belong no matter what. In the household of God... It's a place where you're accepted, protected, cared for, supported, and safe. And it ought to be like that no matter what. And that's what our church should look like. Summer Grace Church, Parramatta, already does feel like a little family. And if you're new and visiting, join our family um, and experience the blessing of being in it. And God is calling us to care for one another when we're down and to celebrate with one another when we're up. Um, all the scriptures in the New Testament about the one another's come together in the local church. And if you're not yet part of a local church, I wonder how you put those practices into practice. God's plan for the growing of his kingdom is the establishing of little local churches all over the world who are little new nations and little families who support one another and love one another and the way you get in is unearned it's intimate that's how it should feel and there should be inclusion the new testament unpacks what this church family looks like with all these scriptures as i mentioned before in john 13 jesus says love one another Well, how do you love one another unless you know other Christians that you're in community with and you can serve them? Love does. It doesn't just feel. Love has actions. It has legs. The Scriptures say to be devoted to one another. If you are not in family and in a church that you're committed to, how can you be devoted to one another? Honor one another. Rejoice with one another. Weep with one another. Care for one another. Serve one another. Carry one another's burdens. All these scriptures, I can give you them later, explain what the dynamic household of faith is to look like. And it's not up to the pastor to do it. It's all of us as members. Paul calls the church a body, each with distinct and individual members serving one another with different gifts and different abilities. And each one of us gets to play a part. We weep with those who weep and we rejoice with those who rejoice. We confess our sin to one another and we rebuke one another. And it's all for God's glory to bring us to be, become more and more like Christ in stature and wisdom. So do you truly see the people sitting around you as family? I believe that is one of the gifts of this church plant so far is that. But it's a good question to ask yourself even now again. Do I see fellow Christians as family? In fact, in some ways, deeper than my blood family. Because we are bonded by the eternal and Holy Spirit of God. Nothing could actually make us closer. And it's odd, I think, because we live in a world which somewhat still accepts Christianity, and there's a lot of Christians about. But I was um, meeting with a brother from a country, which I can't say again, another Sovereign Grace pastor. And when they become Christians in their country, they get kicked out of their family. Or if they're allowed to live in their home, when they come back from church, they get beaten. And so what they do on Sunday when they worship is they leave early in the morning, walk hours to church, and then spend all day at church because that is their true family, where they really belong, where they practice all these one another's because they know they share the blood of Christ together and the Spirit of God together, and they don't want to leave because that's their true family here on earth. And then they come home and get beaten, and then they do it again week in, week out. Because through Christ, through his reconciling work, we have the privilege of belonging to a new family. So point one, we're a new nation. Point two, we're a new family. Point three, finally, Paul shares that we belong to a new temple. Now, this one is mind-blowing if you know much of other religions where the presence of God always dwells in a temple or the Old Testament where the temple is kind of a big deal. It's like where God dwells, the Holy One of Israel dwells in the most holy place in the temple. But Paul radically changes what that looks like. It's not Paul, Jesus did it, but he explains it in verse 20. So, no longer or aliens, citizens of a new nation, of the household of God, And what does this house, what does this look like? Well, this metaphor comes from a house and turns into a temple in verse 20 to 22. Read with me. Built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone, in whom the whole structure being joined together grows into a holy temple in the Lord. In him you also are being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit." It's sort of really hard to capture the magnitude of what Paul is saying here, but let's unpack it in just three quick little steps. So verse 20, we see the foundation of the temple. So we belong to a new temple. God is actually building a temple here in this church, and the foundation of the temple is Christ himself. We see that in 1 Corinthians 3, but it's also the teaching of the apostles and the prophets. That's not the Old Testament prophets, that the New Testament prophets that God sent to help build the churches and what is that foundation? It's the message of the gospel. The foundation of the church, which is the new temple of God, is the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's why, as a church, we're a church. Our mission statement is we're passionate about knowing, applying, and proclaiming the glorious gospel. It should feel like when you go to a church at every door you open, you walk into the room, you're like, oh, there's the gospel again. Because at the bottom, at the foundation of the whole dwelling place of the church is the message of Jesus Christ and him crucified. It's the foundation. It's not just one room and then you've got all these other nice rooms. It's it's the floor and you're walking all over it. Nothing else can be built without the foundation of the message of Jesus Christ. But secondly, we see that in verse 20 that Jesus is the chief cornerstone. So you've got the foundation that makes sure it gets built strong and sturdy. I'm not going to go too much more into architecture and building because Adam will tell me I'm wrong. But something, foundations are important, I think. And then you need a cornerstone uh, and you put that stone in first, I believe. And in that massive stone, you build out from there. Um, Once you have that stone in, it sets the structure and everything for the whole rest of the um, building or temple in this case, and Jesus Christ himself, it says, is the cornerstone. Everything in the temple, this new temple, the church, is linked through Jesus Christ himself. He sets the the direction, the wisdom, the message, the teaching, everything comes back to Jesus himself. That's why churches should be all about Jesus Christ, celebrating Jesus, singing about Jesus, praying to Jesus, enjoying Jesus, because he is the cornerstone. Thirdly, the materials of the building, quite surprisingly, let's read verse 21 again. So you've got Christ as the cornerstone, the foundation is the teaching of the apostles and prophets. Well, verse 21, in whom the whole structure being joined together grows into a holy temple in the Lord, in him you are also being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. The old temple was built with massive hunks of stone. The new temple is built with people. And it's an ever-growing organic temple. You see that this temple is growing and building, and that's the image of the temple in the New Testament, is that actually this little church is built up of people, and through us, God dwells in our presence. And it's never finished. It's always expanding and growing. It's a living temple with living stones that is the people. It's crazy. Like, it feels weird to be saying this out loud because it doesn't seem like reality. But this is what the Scripture says. That God is building a temple through our little church plant here in Parramatta. And what's his purpose? Look again at the verses. Built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. God wants to dwell with us. And indeed, he promises to. And indeed, right now the Lord is present here. He has promised to dwell in his people. It may not always feel like we don't always sense the fullness of the presence of the Lord, but he is here. And we ought to long and hunger for an increased awareness of his presence in anticipation of his presence. That's why Sunday morning is the best day of the week because there's something that happens here on Sunday that you can't have when you're alone on Tuesday. Donald Whitney says it like this, God will manifest his presence to you in congregational worship in ways you can never know, even in the most glorious secret worship. That's because you are not only a temple of God as an individual, but the Bible says, and far more often, that Christians collectively are God's temple. God manifests his presence in different ways to the living stones of his temple when they're gathered than he does when they are apart. That's why we're eager to come on Sunday and gather as a church, because God is going to meet us in a fresh and unique way. So come on Sundays ready. Come with anticipation. Come ready to be used and to be filled in a unique way that you won't have on Monday. It's a beautiful thing. We have the privilege of belonging to a new temple, a temple that can gather anywhere. We don't have to get flights to Jerusalem. We don't have to build a temple edifice. We can all leave here and go to a park, and the temple goes with us. And wherever we go and meet as a church, we go as a temple. And God, the God who we were once far off from, is near. And you belong. And there's no inner court, outer court. There's no half-in Somewhat in, fully in, you're in, in. So because of Christ's reconciling work, we now experience the privilege of belonging. We belong to a new nation. We're citizens of the kingdom. We belong to a new family. Church is our family. And we belong to a new temple where God dwells in our presence, even this moment. So what should that look like in our life? What are some possible applications I'm going to keep it brief here, but there's much more we could say. Application point number one is be encouraged, Southern Grace Church Parramatta, and keep building your life around your local church. You guys do this so well already, especially the guys who left our safe church in Marunga to plant church here. You guys have built your life around the church. And may I encourage you, you are not wasting your time. You're not wasting your effort. You're not wasting your money or your sacrifice. Because what God is building through us is a temple that he can dwell in and that he can bring people who are outside of him to draw near. It may sometimes feel like, oh, church is a big sacrifice. But when we see it rightly as biblically defined, when we see that it's actually a privilege that we get to belong to that we didn't have before, when you were outside of Christ, you did not have church. You did not have this as your nation, as your family, or your temple. But now you have it. So I may encourage you, keep building your life around the local church and then go out from there into the world to win the world. Work hard for the glory of God in any profession and field in any family circumstance, but build it out of your local church because this is your true eternal family. And if you're new and visiting and and deciding what should I do with church, may I encourage you, if you're a Christian, find a local church, commit to them as family, be devoted, serve, bear their burdens, and get amongst a family. It doesn't have to be here. Find one that you believe and you're in accordance with their leadership, the structure, their beliefs, all those things, but find a local church. Don't be a living stone out in a field on your own saying, I am the temple of God. You're not. You need to be in a local church to be part of the temple in that sense. Don't be a little finger. I'm the body of Christ. No, you're a finger. You need the rest of the body to complete the picture. Um, So if you're not yet in a church, find a church and commit to a church and give your life away for a local church. Because the reality is the church needs you because you have spiritual gifts to serve, but you also need the church. Jesus didn't die for you to live a solo Christian life. You need people to look into your life and help you. So get in a church, find a church, and commit to a church. And finally, if this is the reality, if this is the privilege that we have, there are more bricks that we want to add to this building. We don't want to just keep it to the people who are in this room. We want to keep adding more and more people so this temple will grow. Not so that we can be like, whoa, look at how big our temple is. Our church, how big is your temple? Oh, well, ours is about, you know, 342,000 members. It's pretty incredible. That's not the point. We're not trying to build a big church. We're trying to draw people into the presence of God so they can be liberated from sin. They can be liberated from their um, loneliness, spiritual loneliness, familial loneliness, relational loneliness, so that they can know Christ and himself. So may I encourage you, church, go out and find people who are on their own and bring them into this temple to meet with God, to know God, to be near to God truly and forever. Let's not create a nice Christian ghetto family where we're like, oh, everything was really nice and we had a great time. We want it to keep expanding and growing like the Scripture says. It grows and grows and grows. We belong to a new nation, a new family, and a new people. It's a glorious privilege. Let the doctrine of church from this passage inform your heart to view the church rightly, again, if you've lost sight of it, or may it encourage you if you are getting tired in it. What we're doing here is a supernatural and incredible thing that doesn't look like it at first glance, but the Scripture tells us that's what's actually going on in this moment. Welcome to the nation, welcome to the family, welcome to the temple, in Jesus Christ's name. Would you pray with me? Lord God, I pray and ask that you would help us to enjoy being in this reality. Help us to elevate our minds, to understand this is true, this is really what is going on. That through local churches, we are in and belong in a way that we never could before. Lord, would you help us to build our lives around our church family and out from there to bring people in? We need your help, Lord. And would you, excuse me, would you minister to those who aren't experiencing that belonging? Even members of the church who aren't experiencing that. Lord, may we know that individually, yes, we're adopted children, but corporately, we are the children, plural, of you. And Lord, I thank you that through your son, You've made us sons and daughters. You've made us family. Help us to enjoy that privilege now as we sing. In Jesus' name we pray.